It's wrap-up Wednesday. We're going to do first segment talking a little bit about the Guardians' payroll, because we officially have one, why uh, arbitration settlements today are potentially important, and then, of course, we'll dive into what to look for for uh, this weekend of college baseball, who's been interesting to watch and follow, and who jumped out as I was going through the data and or watching games from this past weekend. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, as I mentioned, we officially now know Cleveland Guardians payroll. I'm going to take this exactly from a Zach Meisel Meisel tweet, uh, where Fran Mel Reyes settled for 4.5, 4.95 for Ahmed Rosario. That's right. Crazy world we live in. Rosario makes more than Fran Mill. How about Austin Hedges getting four? Cal Quantrell at 2.5. Bradley Zimmer, 1.3. Josh Naylor, 1.2. And finally, Shane Bieber came in at $6 million. So when you look at that, it's 49, a little more than 49 million. And then Zach followed it up with that that's in line from the payroll from about a year ago, year ago and the opening day payroll from 2003. That actually made me think. So I decided to, to dive into the Cots contract archives. So they were at 49.6 last year. They're at 49.3 now. So that's right. Their payroll is actually slated to be lower this year. Now you might say, well, I kind of expect that. They went out and they spent, what, about 16 million? I think we settled on between Rosario and uh, Cesar, and they didn't spend anything this year in free agency. Well, again, Bieber went from league minimum to $6 million. Fran Mill jumped. All of those arbitration jumps. I mean, even Hedges got a raise. He was at three. He's at four. So that is where that money went. Now, <laughs> I'm not justifying it. Don't get me wrong here. Uh, the 2020 payroll you throw out, but you go before that. I mean, they're at one, essentially 120 135, 124, 96, 87. Uh, the last time before this, before these last two years, where they had a payroll under 50 million was in 2011 to start the year. And last time they had back to back seasons with payrolls under 50 million, 2005 and 2004. <laughs> so if you go back and you think about since Dolan has bought this team, this is the lowest he's ever ran it. He has made a billion dollars in profit. Right when he sells this team, he is going to make a billion dollars in profit on that sale, billion with a B. On top of the fact, again, we don't have open books, we don't know how much they're really clearing. Uh, but even if they lost tens of millions the one year, you feel like they're probably going to be okay. And again, I talked about this briefly on the long show yesterday. Even if you're like, okay, there's no one, we don't want to give Tommy uh, Tommy Fam multiple years because he's clearly in decline and he's not a good defender. Okay, well, I get that. We don't want to, you know, go out of our way. Conforto showed signs of decline, uh, and we don't want to lose a draft pick. Okay, I guess I can logically make sense of that. But then you should have been active earlier. You know, go out and sign some of the, the players who wouldn't have been in that negative. And, and if you're not going to sign someone, like, go out and do something. Show some signs of life. Uh, we talked about, again, very briefly yesterday with my frustration where I know a week ago I was pe- preaching patience, but it, it really does seem, that, as I talked about yesterday, that they have so many young options that they are going to run those out there and see. Now, they are loath 
to give up on some players and very easy, very quickly give up on others. It's a part of the game that we don't really know the inside, you know, behind the the screen of baseball. I mean, when I used to spend a lot of time in the minors, I knew it a little bit more. I knew who were the workers and who were the non-workers. I knew whose focus was on the game and whose focus was on everything but the game. And that does provide some context, uh, you know, in terms of how teams are more willing to give a player opportunities and chances. Uh, You know, and I always bring it up on Twitter. Like, I actively have talked to people who are, um, you know, known writers, people who have connections inside organizations where they talk about, like, yeah, they would love to, you know, if Bradley Zimmer was let go, they would claim him tomorrow because of physical tools. And it got me in Twitter. You know, people are like, you know, I want to actually see the receipts for this. And I'm like, you know, I, I... uh, I quoted someone I'd had multiple conversations with, Joe Doyle, you know, like the lead prospect analyst for um, the one prospect site I'm blanking on right now. But like, and I've talked to another person with connections to Seattle who's brought his name up independently. Uh, Physical tools get you opportunities. And there's points where Zimmer looked good early in his career, right? Where he had some solid performance at play. Lewis Brinson just got a minor league contract. Lewis Brinson has never had a good season. He's 27. And he's never been good his entire major league, minor league career. A 570 OPS in the big leagues. And you can go back. Well, you can't because my ar- <laughs> my archive is gone. But you can go back and look at when the Luke Ray deal fell apart for the Guardians and Texas stepped up. I was higher on Luis Ortiz than I was on Luis Brinson. I thought Ortiz was a pretty safe back end type. And over nine seasons in the minors, yeah, he ended up with an 848 OPS. But there was just, you know, he never... A lot of it was slugging-based. The on-base percentages as he moved up were always a little disconcerting. And the overall play at the plate was just never really there for me. He excelled in the lower minors, not as much in the upper minors. But he, he's 27, and he's probably going to spend next year in the minor leagues. I'm sorry, he'll turn 28 this year, right? Yeah, he's almost 28. Just a year younger than uh, than Bradley Zimmer. He has been worse than Bradley Zimmer in every facet of the game. Uh, now Zimmer, you know, has a full contract and he didn't even get that. So there's a difference there and that's why, but I'm just saying physical tools, man, they always get team. Every team thinks they can fix uh, someone's, if you have elite physical tools, every team thinks they can fix you, especially if you're a high pick, high picks get more opportunities. That's just a proven fact in this game. (laughs) High picks keep getting shots. Uh, but the, the bigger story here is, (sighs) They said payroll was going to increase, and you know I, I understand they didn't want to take Eugenio Suarez's contract. It, it has a chance to be not that much of an anchor, but it's crazy. Like two, three years ago, that was used viewed as one of the better contracts in the game, and now it isn't that negative. I, I mean, yeah, do something. Right? Like, I, I, it's it looks bad right now. If you're the Cleveland Guardians to have sat on the sidelines and done absolutely nothing in this whole process, to not have gone out and done anything to improve your team at all. And you know, next week we're having our roundtable over here at Locked On. And I, my point of view on the Guardians is I know everyone's going to list them to be last in the division. I guarantee you that now because they haven't done anything. Uh, and everyone else has more exciting young players. But my statement's going to be this is a team that was 500 and most of their pitching staff missed at least a month, two, or even more of the season. They have young players that are coming up. And by the way, the next wave of Cleveland arms is ready. So before we're quick to just say this team is donezo, dead, uh, you have to keep in mind that this is a team that was like 500 who is going to be better just because of health, hopefully. Uh, And that's why I'm frustrated that they didn't do anything to improve the team. Uh, We'll see. 
The other important thing is with all of those arbitration numbers being figured out, like Ian Happ got just shy of $7 million. It might make it easier to make trades now that you know the exact amount these players are going to get. Now that it's a known instead of an unknown, I don't know if I want to preach patience again, but I will say I think the possibility of trades are a lot better right now. Like Ian Happ's valuation might be a little lower because he's making $7 million than it was beforehand. Um, so it's it's something to look at. It's something to consider. Uh, the other thing, honestly, that, that maybe you consider a look at, um, Will Myers is not great. He is a league average bat who makes way, way, way too much money. San Diego uh, is up against it. They really can't do a whole lot in terms of getting into the uh, the luxury tax. And it makes me wonder if there is a world where if Cleveland is not going to spend a free agency, if they're not going to give extensions, go do the other thing that was talked about by some teams last year, which was take on a bad contract uh, and get something out of it. Like you're not going to take on Eric Hosmer because Eric Hosmer is an awful, awful contract. And he's not opting out at the end of this year, by the way. He's going to get that big money payday through 2025. He's going he's gonna to stay because he knows he's not getting that money elsewhere. Uh, I mean, Hosmer was, you know, a 102 runs created plus, a 128 the year before that and only 38 games, though. I mean, he's been, even when he was in Kansas City, like the his free agent year, he was fantastic. Other than that, he had one, two high-level mark years. Like, he was a guy, the minute that deal was signed, I think most of us who follow baseball in depth are like, ooh. But at least with Will Myers, you're getting a guy who's been an above-average league bat pretty consistently for his career. And, you know, in terms of what he makes, like, because when you shed him, it's shedding the average contract, which is his average per year is $14 million. So I almost wonder, too, if you could get you know san diego to pick up any of it let's see he makes he makes 22 million with a one million dollar buyout so essentially it's a 23 million dollar contract cleveland doesn't have any bad contracts to send the other way but it's something like if they pick up eight million and the guardians then take the other 14 million on uh, that's not too onerous they could have him play in you know (laughs) outfield would be an adventure um, and maybe you get something back. Maybe this is the thing I've talked about where uh, now that they've signed Ruben Niebla, maybe they're not willing to give up a, um, a Mackenzie Gore anymore. But it, there's maybe you get some valuation this way. Listen, I'm I'm trying to find ways. Let's be honest. I'm really trying to dig this fan of the Guardians and figure out a way. Free agency is pretty barren. Trade market, there's still players there. Like I'm still Ian Happ, Wilson Contreras, Sean Murphy. Ramon Lariano, um, you know, those guys, I've talked about those guys, those players I've talked about many times. That's where you have to go. That's what you have to hope for because um, this team is incomplete right now. And to, like I said, I, I know there's people out there. Avery, I love you, dude. You've been very supportive through the years and you're going to get so mad at me when you listen to this podcast. But if you're not going to spend a free agency, fine. Free agency is often a, a trap. It ends up being more of a hindrance and a help for a team like Cleveland. So extend your dudes, right? Like maybe you can't reach an agreement with Bieber. Maybe that's too hard right now because if uh, it's really hard to get a starting point between the strike, the strike, the COVID year where he only faced the central and, you know, 
<laughs> look what Kenta Maeda. Look at the drop-off for a lot of pitchers when they had to actually face tough competition. And then the injured year. Like, right now, it's very hard to figure out what a middle ground for Bieber is. So, yeah, maybe that's impossible. Jose Ramirez, maybe, you know, they're just not comfortable with what he wants in terms of length and everything else. Uh, you know, again, this is just a totally conjecture on my part. Go extend for Anmel. That, you know, he's clearly part of this core from now in the future. Um, go extend Quantrell. Go go extend Emmanuel Classe, right? After what he did a year ago and all the advanced statistics, like, Classe makes a ton of sense to extend right now, even with the volatility of relievers. He makes a lot of sense. And by the way, like, with, you know, some of the players are inviting to camp. I'm st- it's, it's really interesting that, like, they haven't tried an Andrew Miller reunion. They have not tried a Brian Shaw reunion. I think... Honestly, this is going to be, do I, it's not a rebuild year, but I think they want to see what they got. <laughs> I don't know, though. I feel like I've been saying that for a few years, uh, and they really have never stuck to it because they have a manager who does not like to play young players and prefers the vets. But if they don't give him any vets, what is he going to do? I don't know. We'll see. Let's take that first commercial break, come back, and focus in on the college game. And that first sponsor today are our good friends over at BuiltBar.com. As you know, I love Built Bar. I don't even bother doing the ad reads. I just go. I see what's going on. There's a. How about right now? They have new mini yellow chirps, a mini puff. Uh, and on top of that, they're doing brownie batter puffs. Now, I love the puff brownie batter. Let's go look at this right now. Uh, in terms of the ingredients, it does have wheat for me because it probably has actual brownie batter in it. When they do things like this, they include the actual now if you're like okay how can something that's called brownie batter that has marshmallows be good for you three grams of fat uh 12 grams of carbohydrates they always talk about the proteins at 17 you're also getting one gram of dietary fiber seven sugars so this one is for them high on sugar that's right seven grams is high for a built bar product all of them are delicious all of them are good for you and uh, like I said, this is just part of my daily routine. I eat Bill Bars every single day. I love the product. I think it is delicious. I think they pretty much can't do anything wrong. And it is always exciting for me. And by the way, those mini yellow chirps, the mini puffs, those are free right now with the purchase of a brownie batter puff. If, uh, if it was gluten-free, as I am, I would totally be putting an order of that with the churro right now. Uh, those would be my high recommendations. And also, just side note, I mean, the Carmen Almond, Caramel Almond Delight, I liked. If you're someone who likes, like, apple, I don't even necessarily love apple flavors. I still liked the Caramel Almond Delight. It's not really an apple. What am I saying? There is no apple. That's why I liked it. But it's, you know, the almonds are right built, baked into it. It is a delicious-tasting product. I love everything at Built Bar. When you go to BuiltBar.com today, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15. Save 15%. Build up your Built Bucks. Soon you'll be saving 5 bucks plus 15%. On all of your orders over at BuiltBar.com. So let's talk college baseball. So I was kind of digging into stuff. So last week we talked about uh, forens- for we talked about the Luke, the first baseman slash outfitter over at uh, Xavier, and Matthew Ellis, the catcher at Indiana. Those two teams met. Ellis did have one home run. Uh, Xavier had uh, Hugh Singer and Hugh. Oh, another. Two H guys. I know it's great reporting here, but this I don't want to spend too much time. Uh, I think it was Hugh Singer, Hugh Singer, Hugh Singer, who went had like three home runs uh, over the course of the series. The I, I said it'd be a high scoring affair. The lowest score uh, was seven runs by a team in those four games. There were two games where a team scored seven runs. So maybe not the guy that highlighted were the top performers, 
but it ended up being quite the slugfest. So we're going to talk about this week. Uh, I think the first player you have to talk about when you're looking at a Guardians type of player, when you're sitting back and looking at what the Guardians look for, when you're looking at uh, strikeouts to walk ratio, is Jonathan Cannon. Cannon is an interesting player from Georgia. Two, well, before last year's draft, if you looked at some of the, actually two years ago, <laughs> right after the 2021 draft, if you went and looked at like MLB.com and they were releasing like players to watch for next year, and it was, was this, I think this was after like Cole Wilcox had been drafted and um, Ethan, not Ethan, uh, why am I blanking on the kid who went super high to the Mariners? It's not Hammock, it's, oh man, having a, having one of those moments here. But you know who I'm talking about if you follow such things. Uh, you know, there was another Georgia arm, and Cannon was the guy, and he was, like, name-dropped as one of the 10 players to kind of watch um, amongst the college ranks on MLB.com right after that draft. And he didn't have a bad year uh, last year. You know, the ERA was a little high, but he, he doesn't walk dudes. You know, that's, that's, we'll get into it more. I've got his stats over here. The seven home runs, not ideal. A little bit home run uh, friendly, but with his stuff, you kind of expected more missed bats. So let's fast forward a, a year later. He faced um, Mississippi State this past weekend, right? And that is a team that has, uh, you know, we talked about Luke Hancock and Logan Tanner, the first baseman in the DH, who have performed well over the course of their careers there. And it's Mississippi State. It's always a strong team. And I was looking at this on my phone and then didn't pull it up over here on my computer. But I want to pull up the exact numbers uh, for Cannon. I know he went eight innings strong in this matchup. And, I mean, they Georgia won 11 nothing. Uh, it was quite the game. And over the course of this year, let's just say it. I mean, he's at 34 and a third innings in five starts, one walk. He has given up one walk over those five starts. Second best walk to strikeout ratio uh, in college baseball behind Danny Garcia of Stenson, Stenson, who has zero walks so far. Uh, for Cannon, he went eight innings. He did hit one batter. He struck out nine with three hits. So that's going to be the big thing to pay attention to with him. Is is he going to miss more bats? Uh, a year ago, the strikeout for nine was only about eight. This year, it is up to 9.7. Now, he was a draft-eligible sophomore last year, so... He is older. You know, he uh, was a guy that teams, let's see, he'll turn uh, 22 in July. So he, he was a guy teams knew they couldn't sign, so they didn't bother. Uh, he's a Georgia kid, six foot six, two 207, touched mid-90s at points. Uh, the, the profile fits the Guardians, and again, you know, this is what you want to see. They're stepping into the SEC. He's facing a tough lineup, and he's pr- still performing well. Uh, also in the SEC, also on the Guardians' potential pitching radar, fifth on that list of uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio, Hunter Barco, who we've talked about before, uh, who, you know, the Florida lefty who uh, was a top performer, who, uh, you know, th- there are some concerns about his fastball overall, but he's doing it. And if you go further down that list to 17th, uh, Nate Savino is an interesting name just because I believe he early enrolled or he, yeah, I think he early enrolled. He took himself out of the draft in my way too early mock. And at some point in a mock, I had mocked him to the Guardians when they were so focused on prep arms. And I thought he kind of fit their like athletic profile, developed secondaries, left-handed pitcher, uh, was age model friendly, I want to say. And then, you know, his, his first season was the COVID season. 
and he got 10 innings last year in 50 innings. Uh, he just didn't miss any bats, like a 5.6 strikeout per nine over 54 innings. The walk rate was good at 263, but he wasn't fooling anyone, and the hit rate was pretty high, and his home run rate was high. So he entered this year as a, a guy with a lot of pressure on him, right? Because this is a guy who turned down probably if he had not op- if he had not early enrolled and taken himself out of the draft, he would have probably got a seven figure bonus out of high school. First year COVID, second year he's not good. Like there's no other way around. It was not a good year. He had really fallen off. But uh, baseball loves rebound stories. Now we've talked about the issues with Virginia pitchers. Um, there has been one Virginia starter in the history of that program who has turned into a everyday starter. Uh, for the most part, it's just bust, busts, and more busts. We'll see if Daniel Lynch can break it. Uh, it's it's been really bad. You know, I, I've talked about it many times. You've got Mark, you know, Ryan Zimmerman, the third baseman, is far and away the star of that program's produced. Mark Reynolds is still, I think, top three all time, University of Virginia in terms of baseball war. And I'm blanking on the pitcher from like the 70s or 80s, who's the one starting pitcher who had like more than four seasons with 15 or more starts in the big leagues. So there is always that concern. And what happens is Virginia teaches an approach and a way to go uh, that is for college success and doesn't necessarily lead to lead to pro success. Savino is bucking the trend. Now, a lot of those guys, um, I'm trying to think about, you know, Danny Holson was obviously you know he's the third overall pick he was a big value or high highly viewed pick the recent players who have been you know super high on the boards and i'm blanking on like uh it was like connor or something and you know these guys all end up going on day three or later a lot of players who started the year with hype had bad junior years and it did not stick for them and we haven't really heard much from them since savino's the opposite so far uh talked about 17th and walk ratio he is given up three walks so far this year in 28 innings and his strikeouts per nine 10.99 so he's missing a ton of bats and he's not walking anyone and he has that pedigree in there and he's made a huge step forward this year so Nate Savino is it is certainly a name to watch and in this draft class uh, you know we'll talk about Adam uh We'll talk about Adam Mazur in the uh, third segment and a few other players. But in this draft class that is desperate for pitching to step up, uh, this what Savino is doing is huge and should probably be a bigger story than it has been so far because, again, the, the general tools that made him a high pick are still there, and now he's performing well. So we're going to take that break. We're going to come back and talk about a few more arms that you should be following. So our newest sponsor is Athletic Greens. And if you're a longtime listener to the show, you know I love new sponsors in general. It's always fun to get an opportunity and I especially love them when they let us try their product. Not everyone is that kind. And that's the first thing. When you get the product from Athletic Greens, it is super nice. It is this big box with like a nice tin and a nice scoop. Uh, and it, you know, you've got the individual packets for travel and then the, the big packet. Here's a pro tip I did not pay attention to. Refrigerate your product. Um, that was my mistake. But it is, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to start using the individual packets now. But it's just, you take it in the morning, you put it in with some cold water, shake it up. It's got a little bit of a citrus smell. Um, I'm not always the biggest fan of citrus smell, but it's not like an overpowering one. It's not a bad one uh, by any means. And it's just, you shake it up really good like you would any athletic or any, you know, nutrition-based drink. Uh, it's, and that's the thing. This thing's loaded with all the things that's good for you. Uh, and, you know, I talk about being gluten-free. It's a gluten-free product as well. So it's it's full of all the healthy things. Let me pull up the exact things that are in here that they, they talk about. There's so many nutrients, like the whole list of them. 
It would take me days to read it. Long story short, I enjoy it. It's it feels like it's a natural thing. It feels like your body feels good. It's giving you so many things that'll just help you to feel better, feel nicer. Like I said it comes in fantastic packaging. It's really well put together, and I've enjoyed it in my usage. I'm going to keep using it. Let you know more. Uh, my co-host, he has not appeared today. He liked the smell of it so much, he knocked it off the table and caused me to lose half of my uh, product. That's uh, so. It, you know, a cat, their nose is good. It sounded smelled like something good and natural to him, and he doesn't like human food. So my co-host is also a fan of the Athletic Greens. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily uh, nutritional insurance. So let's let's talk a few more guys. Obviously, Nate Savino I can take down here. Let's talk Adam Mazur, who small school kid from Minnesota. Go find his perfect game profile. There's nothing there. Went to South Dakota State University and then transferred to Iowa this year. Last year at South Dakota State, he had a, you know, his strikeout per nine was over 11, but his walks per nine were over four. And again, it's at South Dakota State. Not a huge program. Comes to Iowa this year. Starts turning heads in the fall. He's, uh, you know, 6'2 righty. He's not necessarily a big righty, but he's throwing hard. He's making people kind of be like, okay, there's someone to look at. Now, this last week facing Texas Tech, not his best weekend. But his walks per nine now are under four. His strikeouts per nine are still over 10. And he's a guy who, you know, still developing. He's starting to get some first-round buzz, someone to pay attention to. Uh, you know, if you are a listener who's in the Big Ten area, when Iowa comes to town, you definitely want to go check him out. He is right now, would I say he's the odds-on favorite to be the top player taken from the Big Ten? I think he is. I think if I'm sitting back and thinking about it, maybe there's someone I'm forgetting. Like, <laughs> there is, but... I would say he is the top prospect in the Big Ten. He will turn 21 in April, so he's you know right in line with aging curves and how that goes. You know he's not too old. He's not one of those ones where certain teams will be worried about um, potential performance or growth for. So yeah, he is certainly someone you want to pay attention to. Now, like I said, it was not the uh, best weekend for him. The upside is he's not moving to Big Ten play. Where hey, Big Ten play, it's going to get a lot easier for him. Uh, from here on out just because of Big Ten isn't very deep it's just it's not uh, against against Texas Tech he went four innings with six runs on four hits and four walks only four of them earned I don't know why I'm doing like four the b- bigger not bigger but the other problem for him is he had two wild pitches so there there is has been some control issues this year uh, Texas Tech is of course a very tough team and you know hitting third in that lineup uh, Jace Jung the potential top 10 overall pick uh you know he went uh, over three with two walks in this one so he didn't necessarily uh get uh, have a big performance but yeah on the other side brandon birdsell who was a 11th round pick of the twins uh, often 11 round pick sign he was two weeks ago i can't remember who texas tech was facing but he had a huge week where he struck out a ton of guys he was solid in this one he's a little bit undersized he was he was up to the low 90s in high school 
And I just, I remember him as kind of like, um, when I saw the name, I was like, oh yeah, him. Like one of those guys you kind of remember. He was just kind of, you got to spend a little bit of time uh, watching, studying, or learning about. So if he performs well, and he's been missing a lot of bats this year, um, has that pedigree of being, having been a, you know, a drafted player in a signing, you know, drafted in a round where teams intend to sign. So yeah, I, Birdsell, who was opposite Mazer in that Texas Tech matchup, I did want to mention that he's someone definitely to consider checking out. He, I believe, was draft eligible last year as well. Uh, yeah, started at Texas A&M, transferred to a JUCO in 2020, and then ended up at Texas Tech. So he's he's bounced around a bit. Uh, drafted twice, so I'm not sure. I only list one here, though, so I don't know. Uh, and then the other player we have to talk about, I just want to give you the kind of heads up when I know someone is cresting, rising, someone to pay attention to. Ben uh, Metzinger from Louisville. So Louisville is, will we say it, the cradle? No, you can't say that. Yeah, Georgia Tech there. Louisville is trying to knock off Georgia Tech as the cradle of catchers. Uh, You know, when you look at Henry Davis a year ago, you talk about Will Smith. We can talk about multiple other players who have come up through that program. You have to catch really good players, and they coach guys up exceptionally well there. And I've, I've talked about it before, like if my son was a baseball player and he had scholarship offers from everywhere, I, I would tell him to go to Louisville. Like that's just, I, they develop as well as anyone. That is my personal view right now. Uh, and, you know, Metzinger was a guy, he's a senior. And the crazy thing for him is like you go back to 2020, the COVID season, that's almost the most he got to play. He had 43 at-bats that year in 11 games. In 2021, because of Henry Davis, he got to play in 20 games, but he had 51 at-bats. Like, he he almost had, you know, those two seasons were equal in terms of exposure. So he was always kind of buried. And he got an opportunity to play this year, and he's hitting 324 with a 480 on base. He's third in the nation in walks. He has 23 walks and only 15 strikeouts. Uh, He's hit nine home runs in the early going. Uh... The walk rate is 23%. The strikeout rate is 15%. And again, you feel comfortable with him as a catcher because you know that Louisville places defensive value there. They don't put someone there just because they can hit. They have to be able to handle their staff. Uh, his rise, and you know, I, I've been dinging this class, and it's not necessarily a great class, but it's likely the best catching class of my life covering the draft. Um, you know, Kelvin Parada, what he is doing at Georgia Tech in terms of, you know, he's always... He was a strong defender, but uh, the power explosion this year, uh, you know, Logan Tanner at Mississippi State is like a a full, like, offensive-defensive type of catcher. Daniel Susak hasn't got as much mention. He's only hitting 400 this year because he's over at Arizona. Uh, Metzinger is another name in that mix. Uh, And then you got the guys like Hayden Dunhurst at Ole Miss, who's just a solid, like, he's the type of guy the Guardians are going to draft in, like, the fifth round. Just wait for it. Like, that's gonna happen and that's just top of my head there's other guys he's not draft eligible but nathan uh chong over at saint mary's again that's you know he is catching good arms because saint mary's has turned into quite the pitching development pipeline and he was a un, relatively unheralded recruit he's got a lot of perfect game data because he was a fullerton kid and he was in the circuit but he's been one of the best hitters in college baseball this year again not draft eligible but just a player to know and in this draft class it's i Metzinger is fascinating to me. Like if you, because he's a senior, you know, he's 100% a senior. I guess he would technically have another year of eligibility and I could go see how old he is exactly, but he's, you know, he's 22, I believe already. His first year on campus was 2019. And 
you know, a few years ago, I would say with the way he's playing, he'll go at the end of round one and sign for about half a slot. And a team with multiple picks will then use that money in the second round to get another first round value. Like he is, I, I was trying to remember the, the pitcher the Reds took out of Fordham, who was the senior. Wasn't it the Reds who took the Fordham? No, maybe it was somewhere else. The Reds recently took like a senior. <laughs> the problem is when I think of senior signs, all I can think of is Kelly Stinnett, who I believe was a Maryland pitcher. No, Kelly Stinnett was a catcher. There was a Kelly something who was a Maryland pitcher. Uh, that uh, Stinnett was what the Diamondbacks is a catcher, maybe. Uh, but yeah, there was a, a pitcher from. Uh, but you know, whatever. There's been many senior signs, but those ones who go early. The most recent senior sign I can think of was the the pitcher from Fordham last year, right? Who went in the second or third, and someone like Metzinger, or like I mean, Brent Rooker was a senior sign who went back around one to the Twins and uh, got a little bit less, so they could spread the you know, the money around like now with the new draft combine, you have to offer someone 15% of their slot. That's the most you can take away is 15% less. And Metzinger is playing at a big program playing well. He's going to be part of that draft combine. I am hundred percent convinced of that. So you can't get that massive senior sign with him, but if you believe in him, how long are you willing to roll the dice? How long can you wait on him? But at the same time, like this is a great year to add a catcher. This is quite the class. Like I said, there we came into the year discussing uh, you know, Tanner and Parada and Susak, and I know I'm probably leaving someone else off the list because I feel like there's an obvious player I'm just not remembering off the top of my head, but it's, it's such a good class, and it just it looks better today than it did then. I don't know if I can say that about any other position in this class except for maybe like high-end prep hitters. Uh, it's, it's certainly something to watch, and... The big thing we'll have to see now with Metzinger, can he keep it up? Now that Louisville has moved from non-conference to conference play, ACC may not be the SEC, but it's the second best thing there is to it. And he's going to start facing more and more you know, draftable players. And can he even you know, maintain 80% of what he's done in the early going? I guess what he's done in the early going, uh, I mean, if I, I, it's in line with Henry Davis from a year ago. So... It's going to be very fascinating to watch what he does, and uh, he's going to be one of those names I'm checking every weekend. I guarantee I went long again. 34 minutes. Sorry, everyone. This is what happens when i got to talk about too much in one show, but I hope you've appreciated it. Tell me if there's anyone you wish I had talked about. What is a college player you want me to follow? Hit me up on my Twitter, at Draft. Man, long show. I didn't even tell you who I was. Back in the day when I was a prospect and draft analyst, if this is your first show, well, go listen. Excuse me there. I don't know how to edit video, so now you're just stuck with that bonus. Uh, I talk about who I am on almost every show. Occasionally, I forget. But I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. We were in the top 100 last week. We were back to five days a week. Uh, we're up like 40% from last month. So thank you, thank you, thank you. 100 reviews on iTunes. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that as well. That was a big thing we were trying to get to. Uh, should we do? I, we're running long, and should I vamp for a second to go see what our YouTube subscribers are at? Uh, remember to subscribe on YouTube. That is like the downloading is 100% the big thing to do. Don't get me wrong. That is downloading daily is an awesome, awesome thing you can do. But uh, if you, you know, subscribing on YouTube is the next way to help uh, me grow as a podcaster and help the podcast grow. We're at 44 subscribers. 1,000 is the magic number to hit the ability to uh, 
to make some money off of it, which would be appreciated. So if you have not subscribed and you do enjoy the content, please subscribe. And anyone who comments, I respond to in some shape or form. So yeah, there is that as well. So, uh, and thank you all again. Thank you to the Locked On Guardians group. You are a wonderful, fantastic, kind crew. I appreciate you all. And as I end every show now, go, go, Guardians, go.